Last week at AveMariaRadio.net's Poll of the Week, we wanted to know if you thought the bishops would vote to draft a document on the Eucharist. About 65% of you said no, or you weren't sure. And about 35% of you said yes. Well, the bishops have voted to do so, and we will keep you updated with news and analysis here on Ave Maria Radio and at AveMariaRadio.net. Also, be sure to check out AveMariaRadio.net's new poll of the week right now at AveMariaRadio.net. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Uh, The U.S. bishops have come under scrutiny since the election. Those on the left say they're weaponizing the Eucharist. Uh, Those on the right say they're not speaking enough against uh, pro-abortion politicians who profess the Catholic faith. Some Catholics have even vowed to leave the faith over their disagreement with the bishops. Uh, With me right now to talk about the the language involved and uh, how we speak with and to one another is Teresa Tamio. Uh, Teresa, you know well, is the host of Catholic Connection, uh, produced by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And uh, her newest book, Listening for God, Discovering the Incredible Ways God Speaks to Us, uh, is really doing very well. I recommend it highly to you. Teresa has spent more than 30 years in TV, radio, and uh, newspapers, 19 of those years working uh, in front of a camera as a reporter, anchor in the Detroit market. And uh, she left uh, Secular Media back in 2000 to start her own speaking communications company. And, of course, working with us here at Ave Maria Radio. Well, Teresa, good to have you. Good to be back on, Al. Happy summer. Yeah. Uh, we were this, – this conversation right now really grows mm-hmm. out of conversation we've been having right. for a long time, but especially over uh, the last week or so. And uh, I think it sparked – Really, by a poignant story you told me of a woman who has uh, said she's had enough and Mm -hmm. she's abandoning the faith. Yeah, Yeah, she's not abandoning Jesus and she's a regular listener and she was a very sweet woman and she wrote me and thanked me and I wrote her back and we had a nice conversation, but she feels uh, overwhelmed, she feels alone. She's in a part of the country that is extremely liberal and says the the priests, and this is according to her, don't speak up about the marriage issues. She feels her children are being indoctrinated everywhere. And she said she's angry. And and she says, how can I believe when the priests don't speak up? And and this is her opinion, of course, and she believes that a lot of the bishops don't express the faith well enough or strongly enough or stand up for it. And so she says, I just I just don't believe, and, and she's even lost belief in the Eucharist. So we had a, a pleasant conversation. I gave her some resources. I, uh, you know, just appealed from my heart that I, that I understood the frustration and the anger, but that really, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about um, how those bishops, obviously it's important, but when it comes to our faith, Jesus is not going to ask us what the bishops did or didn't do. He's going to ask us about us, and... I would just put this out there because a lot of us have gone through this where we felt really just angry and frustrated. And and I know that you had this great conversation just a few minutes ago with Father Charlie bringing up some of the same things. What did the Eucharist, what did the church and her teachings and the the history and the beauty, everything the church gives to us, what did it mean to you before? Right. And what can you do to get that that back? And, Mm -hmm. And not just in terms of emotions or feelings, but if you're walking away then what are you saying about what you experienced prior 
to this concern that you have now. So yeah. it's just it's just heartbreaking to me. And and I think I, I think it's important for for the bishops to know. And if people are feeling this way, I think writing a respectful letter, respectful letter, and saying what's on their heart and saying they're praying for them. But I'm really struggling right now. I just wanted you to know how I'm I'm feeling. You know, very badly about what's happened so far in the church, and mm-hmm. I would like to hear more. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Just, I've done to it. Speak from your yeah. heart, right? We all have done it, right? Yeah. Most of us, many people have. But what I'm seeing now is is much more anger and rage. I'm seeing rage to the point where I, I shared with you and, and some of the staff at Ave Maria an incident that happened to me uh, before I left for my Italy trip where yes, people are becoming is, more emboldened. This is a strange one. Yeah, to even risk their own jobs in personal attacks over the counter because they think we represent this, that, or the other thing or the other person. So I'm seeing a different level. I mean, as you said earlier with Father Charlie, we've always had people who've liked us, some who don't like us, and but most of the people who've expressed themselves have been at least decent. Now we're seeing a different level, and right. now that is being acted out not only on Facebook but in person. I posted a terrific article uh, by a gentleman that you interviewed actually recently, the Chancellor from Dallas, on how to correct bishops correctly. Yeah, I thought it was very well done and, and outlined the steps that are t- that are to be taken and why thinking that you need to take to the the public square to to attack a particular leader is not the way to go. And several people commented that um, the only thing they react to now are these personal attacks because they don't listen to us anyways and they don't deserve our respect. The name calling and the insults, I had to delete many of the messages that were on my Facebook page regarding the way they're referring to the bishops. It was very heartbreaking to me. So there's a different level now and it's affecting not only people's attitudes but the way they're living out their faith. It's, it's, it is strange. Uh, it is as though because you are, because you have concern, even um, passion about an injustice, that somehow the bounds of respectful uh, discourse uh, are thrown to the wind. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you are passionate about an injustice, apparently, for some people, you can say just about anything you want about the person that you see as unjust. So uh, you're, you're I, I mean, I can't imagine um, St. Padre Pio uh, talking that way. or St. John Vianney? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. St. Saint John of the Cross was actually uh, held in... Imprisoned. By his own brothers, for mm-hmm. heaven's sakes, in mm-hmm. the order. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't see, in their response, this kind of ad hominem attacks this uh, inventing of facts uh, and then applying them uh, to uh, uh, priests and bishops, uh, we really do need a catechesis of how to deal with injustice and error. Uh, We need to take a look at the lives of the saints and ask, uh, how do we uh, deal with that? We saw how Jesus dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw that he was willing to suffer um, injustice because he was confident that God did see and that in fact uh, he would act in a manner that brought glory to God and eventually would bring the solution uh, to injustice. That's what he accomplished for us at the cross. There's not a whole lot of attention being paid to how to approach these problems as a follower of Jesus. No. 
And I think what, what concerns me also, I think we need uh, catechesis in that area, but you and I are actually talking about and looking at doing uh, at some point later this summer and fall, a whole Catholic media literacy online effort because there's so much misinformation that's out there, even on some sites that identify themselves as Catholic. And I find it, it's just utterly shocking to me that so many people that may be well-educated, either in, uh, you know, in terms of their business, uh, whatever profession they, they uh, are a part of, but yet when it comes to stories about the bishops or about problems in the church, they automatically assume that everything that they're reading on a particular site about a particular case, which is usually much more complicated, especially when canon law is involved, then people realize it is not as simple as this bishop is bad or this priest is bad or this priest is really good and he's being persecuted. People simplify it because particular websites want to keep them tuned in. It is the oldest trick in the book. If you can convince people that there's no good bishops, that everything is bad in the church, the world is falling apart, we're the only answer, we're your only salvation, then they've got you and they can keep you in this this constant state of angst and keep you going back. I mean, we we see this in the election all the time, whether it's CNN or Fox News, the bad news you know, uh, the sex sells, the blood and guts, if it bleeds, it leads. It's the same thing. They're using those same tactics. Yeah. If they're not willing to look at the whole story and to avoid ad hominem attacks and really say, okay, well, there's another side of the story and automatically assume that a particular archbishop or a church leader or whether it be one of us that we're automatically bad, then there's something wrong with that source and people are being very badly misled. And I believe that, that you keep taking that in, as Father Charlie just said, it does affect you. It affects the way you see the world. Yeah, it does. You know, there's something else that uh, needs to be said here. If you've noticed, oftentimes you'll have uh, conflict between priests and their bishop. And you don't really know what to make of it. Uh, and the priest begins presenting his case as to why he's being treated unfairly. What people don't understand is that the bishop is not really permitted to make public uh, his reasons mm-hmm. for uh, removing a priest or disciplining him in some way. Uh, so it's always a one-sided discussion, and uh, that's one of the limitations that bishops have. They are bound by canon law to not uh, make certain uh, facts that may be key in their decision-making. And then if an outlet or an entity reports that, that the bishop won't comment or the priest uh, you know, the, or the pastor that's involved in this case won't comment, they make it sound as if they're ignoring the request. Right. But as you just said, they can't comment. So people have to understand a little bit more about how that process works and what can and cannot be done. It's a very, very, very complicated situation quite often. You and, you and Dominic went through a uh, uh, canon law uh, issue Mm-hmm. Uh, in which you, we talked about it when you were going through it, and uh, it, it just wasn't the kind of uh, thing that uh, you could have effectively made public uh, because it would have undermined the process. Yeah, and we and we still don't don't talk about it publicly. Right. I mean, we make reference to it, and I I'm not going to give the details now out of deference to my husband because yeah. he's asked he's asked me not to. But I can just say in general that it was probably one of the most painful things that we ever went through, and we yeah. and we did 
have to hire canon lawyers to, to clear our name. We were accused of some pretty awful things. But through that process, I learned a great deal, and I think the Lord allowed it to happen so I would have more understanding and more empathy. Nothing compared to what, God forbid, a, a sexual abuse victim went through. Nothing compared to that. Right, but right. it did open up the world of, of canon law to me and, and, and my husband and help us understand that the process does work. And I, I think the other thing, too, is I mentioned you and I were talking today, and I mentioned something I'll never forget what the wonderful Father John Ricardo said to me, who was giving us a lot of spiritual advice at the time. I was so frustrated, and I couldn't and didn't say anything on the air about it when we were going through this and you know this is the at the most i'll talk about it but he said to me okay is it true and i said is what true he said well you know you've written all these books and you talk about the feminine genius and you talk about the eucharist and you talk about how your marriage was saved is all of that true and i said well of course it's true and he said well then what are you going to do about it are you going to continue to speak the truth in love while this thing works itself out whatever happens or what are you going to do yeah. and he was it, it took me aback and i said you know what for me to sit there and then to go on a rant and and attack the very church that i that i know regardless of how i was being treated by whom at the time mm -hmm. i know the church teaching saved my life i yep. know the church teaching saved my marriage yep. and i i could not deny that so therefore whatever you know struggle which was minor compared to what many many people who have been attacked uh, by leaders in the church have gone through especially with the sex abuse scandal which is huge then i could certainly learn from this and grow from it and use it as a moment and it's it's very uh frustrating because i can feel the pain when people say they've been hurt by the church i know what that feels like you know what it's feel what yeah. it feels like a yeah. lot of us who are in positions on the front lines especially if we're pro-life have been attacked have been attacked very very strongly yeah. and it hurts when it's one thing we not surprised by the world not that it's easy to take it from the world either but we don't expect it from within and when it happens it's it's very jarring and very unsettling and you have that immediate instinct where you want to fight back and attack and the the thing to understand is that the church is still the church and and the way the church is set up for this process uh, it does work. Uh, we've learned a lot, obviously, through the abuse crisis, and there have been great improvements that were made uh, and had to change. But to understand that it's not always as simple, and there are always more than one side to a story. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm seeing that's so frustrating, believing everything that a particular site says about a particular story. They're all right, and the other side is all wrong. Yeah. And we have to trust more in terms of God and the fact that Jesus founded this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we shouldn't forget that Satan is called the accuser, the accuser. of the brethren. Amen. One of his chief titles, Revelation 12.10. Teresa, thanks much. Thanks, we'll, Al. We'll talk God again. bless. Bye-bye.